like lazy open like this is the first episode of the new year you know i feel like we should just like be on task and professional and just like start with you know the welcome just really like lead into it rather than Mm. do a bunch of the nonsense that we often lead with yeah no jokes no No jokes jokes in this first episode of the new year there are no jokes not in this year we left Um, the jokes in the trash (laughs) fire that was last year exactly Yeah. no cold open at all none um so that is to say Are we ready? Are we ready to usher in the new year? We are. Welcome to a brand new year and to this episode of Print Run. Also a brand new episode. Also a brand new episode. Never before seen. Wow, we're or just gonna spoken or recorded. We're just gonna, one of our New Year's things is gonna be talk over the opening. Huh? Yep, That's... one of my resolutions <laughs> is to be sassier because I'm not because um, I'm not opinionated enough. Yeah, and that's important. My name is Eric Kane. With me, as always, is Laura Zatz. Say hello, Laura. Hello, Laura. Um, so we're back. We are ready for a brand new year. We're going to break down all of the things, um, all of our hopes and dreams and predictions and desires. for the Neither of us have colds. Um, no one has a cold. This is the first time in a month that neither of us is sick, which is <laughs> really, it's great. This is how we, this is how we want to enter the new year. This is how we want to start doing things. Um, Just watch like tonight <laughs> at 6 PM. You're going to be like, Laura, I'm so I sick. I know it's going to be really good um, for everyone involved. <laughs> Um, but mostly you, the listener. Um, but before we get into any of that good stuff, um, Happy New Year once again. How about the basic rundown? Yeah, absolutely. So if you are just um, coming out of the hellhole that is the New Year and family celebration, mm. um, then you might not have listened to our December special episodes. We've got a regular query show, first page show, but we also have a recorded Christmas party because Eric and I made a bunch of mulled wine and we sat in a tiny room together and just talked, which isn't sad at all. So definitely go listen to that. It's on Patreon. This is what happens when we now exist in like an economy where no one works in the same office as anyone else. Your holiday parties shrink. Yeah. And you end up just like sitting in someone's house. We can bring the dog in. Oh yeah, we got that. That was good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Um, So definitely listen listen to that. It's also January, which means we will have a bunch of all new special episodes, Mm -hmm. including again, query show, first page show. And then probably a big, I don't know, maybe we have a lot of, don't it's o- a flex don't one. Don't overpromise. I'm not going to overpromise. <laughs> it's going to be something yeah. that no, you will listen good. to. Yeah. The sound waves will go into your ears. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that will be a ton of fun. If you have a query or a first page, send them to us. We're at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. But I think, Eric, the people want to hear about the new year. Yeah. So... Um, we're going to kind of do what I assume most shows and content of, you know, ongoing but things. But we thought of it first. We did. Yeah. No, we're, we actually invented this thing. It's called the New Year's Resolution. <laughs> uh, no, but basically what we want to do is we kick off this new year, especially, you know, um, you know, we sort of left 2018 behind, I think, in that, you know, in our holiday episode. Um, but now that we're looking forward. Now that we are fresh as a daisy and new and filled with all sorts of hope and, you know, excitement, um, I thought it would be useful to just kind of talk through, 
you know, what we're seeing in the new year, what we sort of expect to have happen, what we're excited about, what we're afraid of. Mm -hmm. And so the way that this episode is going to be really simple. We've, we've drawn four categories here. We've got resolutions, predictions, fears, and excitement. And you and I are each going to list one for each of those things. We're, and we're going to kind of just talk about how we're seeing, you know, the coming year in books, in our own work, in larger work, in the book scene as a whole, um, in anything else like that. And so, Laura. <clears throat> yes. I'm going to leave the category open to you. I'm going to let you pick. Um, why don't you start us off? Well, why don't we start with something a little hopeful? Uh-huh. Why don't we just start with resolution? Okay. Okay. Hit, hit me. What's your resolution? So my resolution, this, let me tell you. At first, my resolution would be like, I'm going to make sure that I read a partial ev- like from my slush pile every day. But <laughs> I know, I just, just but so I know that that's knows. unreasonable. I'm laughing at Laura thinking <laughs> she's going to do that. She's not going to do that, dear listener, especially if you are a writer who has queried Laura. Know that she's not going to do that on any. <laughs> I'm using a bullet journal yeah. to get through my uh, slush pile. It's been going really well, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to overpromise anything right. because some days I might just want to, you know, record episodes with my good friend Eric. So that is not my resolution. In a way, that's the show's resolution. Don't overpromise. <laughs> <laughs> we always put our stuff out. Um, yeah. But my resolution is something that I got a little taste of in mm-hmm. 2018, and I and I rediscovered it and I and I enjoyed it and it mm. is this I will continue to have deep critical discussions about books with friends and I will take that discourse capital like capital T mm-hmm. capital D mm-hmm. offline so mm. one thing print run has done for me this year is that we've done writing by reading shows yeah Right, which is where Eric and I will read the same book um, and we will talk about it critically. And there was one episode that I really loved making, which was Manhattan Beach by Jennifer Egan, because we talked a lot about how I disliked but understood the ending. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that very nuanced conversation is something that makes me be better at my job and makes me enjoy it more. But it's something that you just can't have, especially as a business professional in in publishing. Like, you can't just tweet, like, I thought the ending was bad or, like, whatever. You know, because you want to be nice online and, you you know, you... Yeah. So I want to have a lot more of those discussions with people um, that I know and love and Mm -hmm. can, you know, give my problematic takes to... And have them tell me that I'm wrong and dumb and that actually, like, the book should have been this way. And then oftentimes they're right. So that is something that I resolve to do more of, which means, Eric, you're going to have to read a lot more romance and YA in 2018 or 2019. Um, There we go. I think that's such a I think that's a really good one, Um, especially, you know, just thinking of like that Manhattan Beach conversation we had both on the episode we ended up doing on it and just in general, like we disagreed about that book. Oh, we did. Which was great in a way that I think as you mentioned, um, sort of goes missing on the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to provide sort of a nuanced take on something in, in a way that um, won't get you either misrepresented or, you know, your words get kind of twisted around or whatever it is, or, you know, inciting rage when you didn't mean any. <laughs> and, like, it actually leads, um, it leads to something I think about a lot with the online discussion of books, which is that in general... And I think I think it's interesting that you 
have picked like that example as the sort of conversation that you can't have online yeah. because one larger problem I see that relates directly to that is that people have a really hard time being thoughtfully critical of books like on on the internet. No one knows how to give a negative review anymore. Like yeah. there's no the only way basically what a negative review at this point means is like a one out of five on Goodreads. <laughs> and that's the only nuance we have for it. Like I have you ever seen this thing where like people will go on and maybe they're reading something that they don't like and they'll they'll like subtweet it, right? They're yeah. like reading a book, wishing that, you know, certain types of beginnings were a little bit different, you know, or wishing that, you know, authors would quit doing this thing. Like it's never but it's never just, okay, well what are you reading? Yeah. And they'll be like, Oh, I'll tell you in a DM or I'll tell you offline. It's like, no, 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 no. Tell us. Like, and it's interesting. And the reason I think people do that is because of that same fear of being misconstrued that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think, you know, I was kind of talking about this the other day with some people. Like, we would, the book industry as a whole, I think, would be much, much healthier if people could see value in, in negative reviews. But also, I think, I mean, I agree with all of that, but it's also worth mentioning that those deep, collaborative discussions only happen after you know 20 minutes 40 minutes of talking about it right and so it's something that just by default is a lot more attention than we give to reflecting on what we consume and so like that is something that's important because also as an agent like we give editorial notes all the time and it's not just you know I think this because I do yeah. like it, it a lot of the time it has to do with market. But more than that, it has to do with, you know, like when we think about selling books, we think about themes, we think about structure, we think about um, you think about all a bunch these... of stuff that requires depth that doesn't yeah, appear in a tweet. Exactly. And and it's, you know, and I think I think as as an agent, I got away from that because, you know, it's. It's hard to it's hard to foster that type of really because it's not really something you can do on your own super well. You know, you need to be able to foster that kind of relationship where you can have those really in-depth discussions. And so that is something that I want to do. No, I, I think that's a really I think it's a really good one. I think it's worth pointing out that that sort of conversation <coughs> stands a little bit in opposition to the the structure of the of the form you know like it is tough you know your point about like needing like 20 minutes to weave your way into the real heart of the conversation mm-hmm. is something that simply doesn't happen yeah online. like and so i think it's worth noticing whether you're a reader or, or a writer or an agent or whoever it is in this kind of constellation of people that what you know there are places you know to have these conversations and the internet just might not be it you no. know like it might not work for that and that's why my resolution, which is actually very similar to yours, uh, funnily enough, is that I am going to be ignoring or muting or turning away from or doing whatever I can to barricade myself out of having to see anyone's nonspecific craft threads <laughs> online anymore. I hate them. I am tired of them. I'm tired of the takes in both directions that they create. Can you tell that um, Eric is in, uh, in editing his yeah. novel right now? <laughs> well, so this this probably is something that affects me as a writer more than as an agent or something. As someone who is also tr- invested in trying to, um, you know, write and now edit and revise my own book. Is that you? And everyone does this. And this is part of the other thing that the internet does. Is, is it incentivizes people to try to just constantly produce content that probably doesn't need to exist? Mm-hmm. You know. And so you see, this is especially true of like 
big name commercial writers or agents do it a lot. Yeah. Uh, where they're like, hey, here's the thing I'm seeing. Here's a thread on character development, or here's a thread on, you know, fe- you know how to manage whatever thing in your book. And Eric, it's just, I love making those. Threads. I know you do. And <laughs> honestly, you're gonna catch the mute this year. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you that, but like, I just this is the thing for me is. It's you have to just ask why, like, where is that? What space is that coming from? It's never. It's not really coming from any specific way related to what you're doing. And like maybe yeah, there's like some useful tips that you hear every now and then. But mostly, what happens is people look at that and they try to decide immediately if it applies to what they're doing. Is you read that you read everything in a binary. Say, oh hey, there's a piece of advice. Nope, doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does. And then if it does apply to you, you then have to go through the added steps of deciding whether or not you agree with it or not. Mm. And I just, it's, it's such a silly, shallow way to talk about writing. I found that I just I spent so much time being mad at these threads in 2018 that I think I think I'm just cutting it off because. Like, this is my one, so, uh, you know, we obviously, this is a show that often gives out writing advice, especially in our special episodes. This is my one actual piece of writing advice for anyone. It's read a lot, read enough so that when you read something you like, you can see the difference between what you wrote and what you're reading, and then work on bridging the gap. That's it. Yeah. That's writing advice. That's all you need. Like, And people are always looking for, you know, quick outs or... Um, some way where you're like, oh, man, the answer to my, you know, the problem in the middle of my novel is in this series of tweets. And it's like, I really hope that it isn't. I hope that the way we're making art this year is not <laughs> in any way reliant or able to be fixed by that. And Except definitely pay attention to the Decembo thread because that's a really good one. <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, that I mean, and that's, you know, those end up being a little bit vaguer, you know, and a little bit more. um you know, they're more like Thematic. general practice stuff as opposed yeah. to like, here's what you've got to do with your characters, and here's the thing you've got to get rid learn. of this adverb. It's just like shut up. Like I can't, I can't do it anymore, man. And so for my own creative health, and I encourage many others to do the same. Just like pay attention to what you consume with regard to writing advice, because there's a ton of it out there, and I'm 100% confident that 90% of it you simply do not need. So. Okay. Good rant. Let's move on. We're feeling good. It's, we're feeling, you know, it's, we're getting we're, loose. We're getting loose. We're feeling good. We're shaking <laughs> off the old. We're welcoming in the new. Okay, so pick a new category. <clears throat> Laura, I would love to hear about something you are excited about this year. Okay, so specifically, mm-hmm. Eric, I am 13 weeks away from getting my library's audiobook copy of Michelle Obama's Becoming. <laughs> So to give Excellent. you a little bit of context, yeah. uh, there are 100 copies in use in my local library system. Um, I am now number 633 <laughs> up from 869. Did that so book, I'm feeling real good about it. Did that book hit number one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. That's, yeah, that, that will be, that will be fun. I can't believe, like. You know, I know like a bunch of people who are already listening to it, and uh-huh. there's, like, apparently the point where she, like, talks about her father. She gets really, yeah. like, it's very, like, <clears throat> heart-wrenching, and it's, apparently it's a fabulous book. Who re- Does she read it? Who reads I, it? I mean, I would assume that yeah. Michelle reads it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Um, yeah, that does sound good. That'll yeah. be good. So, I'm really like, excited about that. That is a good thing. Like, I feel like um, I often, I guess I'm, ha- I'm having a hard time thinking of who I would want to read sort of, like, 
a political memoir from and I guess she's not it's, this isn't really that on any sort of like actual thematic no, level no Eric but, it's about becoming <laughs> but like I'm just trying to like the, the list of like figures like that whose like personal book I would actually want to read is probably pretty slim but yeah I don't she, think, I think I'd that, ever read an Obama book that's what, but like she um, Barack Obama yeah, I mean she probably can she's you know someone who yeah has always had kind of interesting thoughts on things and um yeah no that sounds good so rem- say again what number on the list you are i am now number 633 <laughs> up from 869 so i'm doing great you do yeah you're on the way i'm like, on the you're way like on the elevator so, to the top yeah about right 13 now. weeks yeah. so what i need is i need one copy to be i need to cycle through it seven times like uh-huh. seven people need to read it which you know is you about can wait. 13 w- weeks so you're not paying the however many dollars to no, dude, it's a library. It's you, free. I, I understand that, but you're not go, you like you wouldn't just go to the bookstore and, and go get it as a way of like cutting the line. But I want an audiobook of Michelle Obama reading it to me. Well, couldn't you buy that too? I could. But you know, or I could just point. wait for thirteen that's, weeks. That's my point. Is yeah, like you're it's ha- like a little present shows up in late. your inbox. Huh, man, that's more impulse control than I would have. I'm reading two books right now <laughs> at the very at this very moment, so I'm I, you know I've got some time. I think that the last few books that I bought. <laughs> Uh, for myself, like when I like got excited and went to the bookstore and picked something up, mm-hmm. all of them happened on pub day. Like I have like become the person who like buys the thing on the day it comes out, and if if I like miss it or something, something like, mm, missed that one can't can't, <laughs> can't read that book anymore. There's Too bad a, it's expired. There, <laughs> there are a few books right now on like the like the main table in like a bookstore for like contemporary fiction that look great, and I'm just like. Mm. It's too bad I can't read that book anymore. <laughs> it just doesn't. It just doesn't count. Um, That's a good thing about putting it on hold at your that library. Is, yeah, that then is it good. just shows. And you know what? I really <clears throat> one thing I've been enjoying about the the putting books on hold at the library is because you just put it on hold and you think like, oh yeah, this will be available in eight weeks. Like I can, yeah. you know, I'll put this on hold. Why not? And then it shows up, and you're not like excited or ready to read it and it's kind of like russian roulette it's like you're gonna read this book now Mm -hmm. because it's available yep and i find that that means that i'm reading a lot more diverse types of books like you know i'll be i read a lot more memoirs i read a lot more nonfiction. i read a lot more you know short stories because i think they look popular and i you know flag it but then i go oh well it's on you know it's got a big hold line i might as well do it and then it shows up and it's a surprise i was gonna say do you ever like just forget what you oh yeah but sometimes i check Mm -hmm. like there's a book that's coming up in the next like week or two that i literally know nothing about i i must have read about it at some point and Mm -hmm. put it on there because like it it takes many clicks to put a book on hold but yeah yeah, it's very exciting it's very exciting. Well, what are you excited about? <sighs> I guess mine is again very similar in that I am looking forward to, um, you know, as we always say every every week on the show, welcome to another week in books. I'm excited about the year in literary fiction that we are about to have. I can name mm. several things that I'm very excited about. Most of which um, are going to make me feel like an old country bog witch. <laughs> Um, because you're not got, already a country I know, bog yeah, witch. I basically am um, in all functional sense of the term. But um, like, I'm really into, and we talk about this a lot. But like, I really like the slightly surreal, the stuff that kind of deals with folklore, the stuff that um, gets into like, you know, 
so a little bit of history that kind of informs whatever weird present situation is mm-hmm. happening. You know, like all that kind of stuff. And like there's a few authors that are popping up again um, this year that like really like really fit that bill and I'm really excited about. So you've got um you've got a new Karen Russell book coming oh, out this year. The the Bogwitch. The Bogwitch. Like she is in the best yeah, she's the resident Bogwitch. The Bogwitch in residence at your local MFA. Mm. Um You've got uh, Marlon James is coming out with a book this I year, have which it. you have. I know you have. I have it. Like, I remember <laughs> you went to that book festival and you like brought home a bunch of galleys, uh-huh. right? And you were like passing them out, and you were like nice enough to give me some. I've got galleys specifically for I you I know, because I, you're my book friend. I know, it was it was really nice of you, and I remember we were like standing there, like kind of you know when you were handing them to me, and I was like, oh, here's the Marlon James one. All this this one sounds great. You're like that one's mine. <laughs> Like that one was not leaving your house, so um, I'll just have to wait to read that book. As it will never steal- leave my house. As opposed to stealing your um, your copy, you can sit on the couch with my dog and read the book, but you can't take it out of the front door. Um, <laughs> um, Taya Obret has a book coming yeah. out this year, which is incredibly exciting for me and anyone else who really, really loved uh, the Tiger's Wife. Um, that one I also have on oh, hold. Man, that, that book, anyone listening to that, like that book is great. If you're like a writer who's like, I'll say this right now, if, on the show, if you're a writer who is writing a book that you feel was inspired by the Tiger's Wife, or like you were thinking about it while you were writing or anything, please, please just query me because I love that book and on a craft level, on a thematic level. It's really beautiful. And she's got a new one coming out, and I'm very excited about that. I will have an opinion on that book in seven weeks. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, maybe <laughs> we should do like a, an episode on it or something, uh, like a writing by reading. Um, and then I, I guess um, keeping with the kind of swampy Florida theme, uh, Kristen Arnott um, has her debut novel coming out. She's a very funny writer. Um, oh, yeah. I and, like her. Yeah. And so, but the reason I bring these up is not just to list things, the specific books I'm talking about, but to kind of say that. Um, and we started with the optimism on my and my fear and my prediction are a little bit darker than the things we've discussed. But the reason I wanted to kind of bring up this excitement um, is because I actually am really optimistic about where literary fiction is at right now mm. at a contemporary level. Like I think it's become very fashionable to say, um, oh, you know, it's you know the MFA. You know, people love to talk about like the MFA fying of you know litfic and how everything has sort of become you know, these plotless character sketches or, like, that they've, you know, things are kind of moving according to template or, you know, I've had the critique before that there's a ton of books out there that um, have a really tight first three chapters and then just sort of float, Mm. um, which is something you and I have actually discussed before, too, but... um, See the Patreon episode of yeah. Sagging Middles available for the eight dollar a month patrons. Very good. Way to be way to be the company uh, spokesperson. Thank you. um, I actually feel really good about where litfic is headed right now in a way that i i think is actually somewhat of a contrarian opinion at this point like people love to rag on it they love to call it you know you know a genre of old white men of or whatever. jonathan yeah exactly you know like people you know people kind of think of innovation as something happening whether it's in you know different types of ya voices or things like that but i really um, whatever you think of, you know, some of the books that published this last year, like The Marjoram or Florida or, you know, uh, They're There. I almost called it Orange Orange. The author is named Tommy Orange. Um, it's They're yeah. There. <laughs> um, but all of those books, um, which I liked fine, I probably didn't like them as much as other people did, but they all represented really exciting structural, like beginnings of structural conversations to me in a way that, I am excited to see get built on this coming year. And I do think that um, 
you know, whatever you think of the financials of publishing, you know, as kind of the larger structures around all this stuff changes and debut fiction gets harder and harder to publish through no fault of the writer's own. Um, I actually really like where we're at artistically at the upper echelons of, of lit fake. And I'm excited to kind of see where these things go. And I guess, yeah, I mean, it's a, a note from ho- a note of hope from me <laughs> on this show, which can be a little rare, but um, <laughs> I am, I'm enthused. Like I'm excited to be buying books this year. I think it's going to be a really good year. So let's go from a note of hope from Eric <clears throat> to Eric's specific fear in oh. 2019. Oh man. We should have waited for the, resolution or the excitement at the very end i know we should have saved yeah we should have saved that we didn't quite think that through okay so what's your fear my fear and it relates to nonfiction mostly Mm. actually we um i used to have this fear as it related to fiction but it turns out that it ended up being a problem on a much more literal level in nonfiction, which is that the absolute dreariness of trump focused books and discussion of books like whether it's reviews or you know media coverage of them that problem that we're constantly railing about, this idea that every book suddenly has to have a Trump hook, the cable newsification of uh, political nonfiction, all that kind of stuff, it's, I don't really see any reason it's going to improve mm. this year. And so my fear is that, especially with an election looming, um, the sort of book that you can hook into um, an election cycle or a news cycle is only going to become more and more of a, of a cash grab for publishers and it's only going to be incentivized further. And so all the things that I, I mean, quite frankly, whine about um, online with regard to, you know, how it feels like every piece of big contemporary nonfiction has to have some splashy hook about, you know, the president or about, um, you know, contemporary right-wing politics in a way that, you know, feels mostly like, um, almost like tabloid coverage, you know, in a way that kind of feels devoid of substance to me. Um, whether it's the, you know, Fire and Fury or whatever, you know, like that kind of book. Um, I think that we're at the beginning of that, not the end. Mm. And that really, as someone who, you know, has a job out of trying to sell, you know, nonfiction from political thinkers who are not as interested in sensationalist coverage, um, that really, that scares me. Like I see, um, you know, I go on uh, Publishers Marketplace and I see the editors, you know, who work in political nonfiction or history. You know, I, I think the the category is called, you know, on Publishers Marketplace is called like history slash current event. You know, mm. it's got some like hook like that. You know, as it gets classified, history like like yeah. the eighties, nineties, and today, yeah. like <laughs> like but, the past, the future, and right now. Yeah, it's when I see the editors in that category who I know I've talked to about certain projects, you know, and then I see what they're buying. I get I get nervous, Laura. Mm. I really do because it feels like um, we're selling. Like there's an emphasis right now on, for instance, access journalism. Right? right. Like it's if you're someone who has like an inside source in the Trump White House, you know all this palace intrigue, all that kind of crap. That is what's selling right now, and that's what's getting put on the politics shelf, not the, you know, whatever other you know contemporary commercial NF shelf. Like right. the shelf that we should be putting. The actual critiques of our age using history and data and real, you know, thinking that a person who's done some research, you know, should have to have done. Um, instead, we're kind of just getting what feels like the bookification of news cycles. And I know we talk about this on the show a lot, but I think that it's only going to get worse because the incentives are only going to get worse. Like, 
if publishing wants to be cable news, this is the year to do it. I mean, we've got it. We've got what is going to be like. If you guys thought twenty sixteen was a wild election, so just wait. Like, this is going to be a circus, and the book market is going to absolutely respond to that in a completely reactionary way. And it, like, I guess, I guess that is, if I were to really describe like my genuine fear for where books are headed on that in that that's what it would be. I think. Like, mm. I'm. I wish that we could at some point take a step back and say, hey, maybe instead of, you know, a book that responds to the thing that happened last week, rather than a book by, like, Stormy Daniels' lawyer, like, maybe we could get a book, you know, that kind of takes the last decade into perspective. Maybe we could get a book that actually tries to assess the larger forces at work that led us to this point. And it's like, there's no room for it. There's no time for it. And it's... At some point, though, Eric, like, the the market is going to become fatigued, is it? Right. I mean, like, you, well, I think so. You and I, I mean, are fatigued, but these books hit number one and number two. Like they, for now, but we're only at the beginning, right? But yeah. so I think that at some point, you know, giving somebody three three million dollars for yeah. a book like that is is not going to equal tons and tons of money. You have to hope, right? And yeah, it seems like that would make sense. My hope is that they they flood the market. Yeah. Because if they flood the market, then it'll stop. That's what happened. I mean, that's what happens with everything, right? Yeah. You know, that's why vampires aren't allowed right. right now. It's because everybody was making money off of vampires, so then everybody made a vampire book, and then nobody made money off of vampires anymore. Yeah. Which I is mean, a simplistic but no, sexy I, example. I think, it's a, I think it's a really good analogy, actually. And I think that that represents a, a honestly, a best-case scenario. Yeah. Right? Like, that is... They do it so much, they know that they're bad. The problem, the reason I think maybe it's different is because people keep getting newly alarmed mm. by what's happening like there's no vampires in the real world that are like, that you know of. that are <laughs> that are like that are like making headlines and terrifying people anew yeah that's you a good know? point and i think that is happening with regard to some of this political stuff and i guess it just, it just bummed like broadly like it bums me out that publishing has looked at this moment and has said look at all these people who are scared, who want an answer to something, who want to feel like things are going to be okay, mm-hmm. right? And that's how all of us feel, I think. How can we, like, what's the fastest way to grab some cash out of that? That bums me out, that yeah. that has basically been the response. And I hope that it changes. I believe that it can change, but my fear, if we're talking fears, is that this is not the year that it does. Mm. Okay. So... How about a fear out of you? Ooh, Okay, um, so my fear is about the genres that I represent, right? Uh-huh. So, like, okay. I do young adult literature, I do science fiction and fantasy, and I do romance. And one thing that I love and hate about people who write all of these <laughs> is that they are logged on. Yes, yes, they are. Um, and I respect the which, hell out of that. Yeah. Me too. But what that means is that they're have increasingly been a shift towards like the discourse of romance landia for example Mm -hmm. or ya twitter Mm -hmm. that is more about the problem and the genre rather than the books so for example in 2018 we had cocky gate Mm -hmm. um we had who could forget who could forget we had (laughs) ya twitter and romance twitter coming together because of you know imagined plagiarism we have you know 
like somebody's like J.K. Rowling's problematic tweets. You know, where we have all of these things that are yeah. less about the book and the debut and like true actual enjoyment of the works themselves. Right. And more about the the drama and who is right and who is wrong and who's racist and yep. Yep. and you know and I think and I think a lot of these areas because they're predominantly read and written by women or you know they're they're meant for children and it's kind of the like YA is very much the testing the testing area for you know larger industry trends as a whole in terms of authorship and themes um and then we have science fiction and fantasy which is always just kind of pushing the envelope in a lot of ways i'm worried that we're going to talk too much about the politics and the identity of all of these things rather than um rather than the books themselves like i'm really really terrified that in 2019 everybody's just going to keep talking about diversity instead of actually doing it i'm really worried that um you know everybody will just keep talking about nazis in science fiction instead of talking about ways in which science fiction is expanding people's understanding of of humanity and other people's differences Mm -hmm. you know so that that is something that i worry about and i think that it really will come down to people individually talking about books that they really love and 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 giving really critical analyses of not just the books but the industry and and calling people out like Publishers Weekly who selects the best editors <laughs> of the year and they're all old. white dudes who publish Trump. Man, I couldn't believe they did that. Yeah, yeah. like things like that. So I'm I I mean I'm I'm hopeful, but I think that people have to put a break on and instead of go oh my goodness somebody's fighting like they need to really take a step back and consider that we're all fighting about books yeah is what we're doing well it almost feels like you know you and i obviously on this show we we chase that shit we chase that (laughs) (laughs) we (laughs) we do love it i'm part of the problem no 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 but like my faves are problematic no but it's not even that we're part of the problem with regard to that. And maybe we are, but it's almost like, you know, there there's like a balance, right? Because those things, when they happen, they are genuinely fun and they are genuinely funny, mm-hmm. but they have to exist in balance. It's like eating too much dessert, you know? Like, you have to be able to n- understand, like, it's when the substance underneath it goes missing that the fun conversations that surround this stuff become a little bit less fun. Yeah. And so it's almost like, in conjunction with the drama, we do probably need to like have a you know kind of a refocus on what yeah. it is on actual like arts criticism. You need to look think, for yeah. the fire instead of just yeah, like the, dousing yeah. yourself in smoke. Right. Yeah. yeah. All okay. Right. Well, so, let's let's do predictions. You first. Okay. Actually, who should go first? How, how's I'm going to go first. Is yours a good one? Like I'm going to go which first. Which should we end on? Of course, mine is a good one. What do you? I, t- thought, okay, I mean, mine's good. probably happier than yours. <laughs> well, so good. Good was not the word I was looking for. That was, is it a good resounding end note to this segment? Is maybe what I meant. Yeah, we're planning the episode live. We're on gonna this find is, out. Behind, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go for it. Behind the curtain, folks. This is what it's like <laughs> to plan an episode of Print Run Podcast. You go for it. Excellent. So, something happened this year with film. Hmm. 
with everybody like rediscovered that rom-coms from the 90s and the early aughts are amazing and nobody should have ever stopped making rom-coms. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so a lot of these rom-coms come have have been born out of the romance genre so in my prediction is that in 2019 just as in 2018 everybody discovered rom-coms especially you know netflix mm-hmm. everybody is going to be discovering romance novels oh that's going to be the new thing this is it you like the there's going to be a lot of like op-eds by white dudes being like this person pioneered the romance genre like never mind that it's been going on and like doing a huge amount of the sales in the book world for this entire time that is absolutely going to happen (laughs) have you guys heard about this have you you heard about romance novels yeah there's an entire bookstore in california where it's all just romance it's owned by these two women who are doing yeah who are doing film now like like that's what it's gonna do and everybody in romance is gonna get really angry and they're gonna roll their eyes but the thing is is i am just welcoming more attention and respect for my lovely media Mm -hmm. because last night eric I had to watch Sleepless in Seattle, <laughs> which is as old as I am. That's yeah. not true. But it's very mm-hmm. old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I need a new Meg Ryan. Yeah. We yeah. all we all need a new Meg Ryan Thank in you. 2019. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to the new Meg Ryans, uh, <laughs> welcome. Okay, so my prediction is a little less fun than that. Um, I knew it. I knew it was going to be less fun. <laughs> well, and so basically mine relates to Amazon. Um, and it's basically that... I think this might be the year that we lose the forest through the trees with regard to our big, large Amazon discussions. Like, you know, right now it is fashionable and easy for most people in the book world to point at Amazon and say, yeah, this is, hey, this is bad. Like this sort of like, you know, mega corporation takeover of, um, you know, an industry that really needs all these smaller parts, you know, to thrive in order to survive. Like, there, you know, this is a problem. We can all sort of agree and come together that we believe that Amazon is a bully in the book world, right? Like, I mean, that's not a controversial take. That's not something that anyone, like, if you pulled that in publishing, I think people would by and large agree with that sentiment, right? Yeah. And so for me, I think this is the year where that sentiment, in just in the sheer face of the inevitability of what's happening, like this might be the year where that starts to shift a little bit, mm. where rather than debating whether or not Amazon's presence is good um, or bad, is good or bad, which I, you know, of course believe that it is. I believe that it's bad. I think it's really bad for ways that often have nothing to do with books. But um, this is going to be the year that people kind of pivot to accepting it as sort of a fact of life and an inevitability, and start saying things like, "Well, okay, well now that our whole industry hinges on this thing, look at all the cool stuff it can do." You know, look at the data it can provide us. Look at the platforms for, you know, indie authors it can give us. Look at the technology it's able to offer through Kindle and these other, you know, web-based services. Like, this is the year where people start trying to come up with their consolation prizes, Mm -hmm. you know, through Amazon. And on the one hand, a lot of those will will be really good. Like, if you remember, we did that show on the data that they were able to pull for, um, you know, the bestseller list, you know, like... They have, they're able to kind of really target some of these specific things that, as book people, is interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can, and it is good to be able to see that stuff. And it is good to, like, there's no denying that. I remember you and I saw that list, you know, and that just the capability and the functionality 
And we were both really excited because it's legitimately interesting and worth having. But it just feels like we're going to forget the context that that's coming under. And that worries me, obviously, a little bit that we're going to just like the big giant push to, um, you know, say, you know, save the indies and, you know, do these, you know, do these things. It feels like the conversation might change a little bit this year in a way that I hope it, I hope that it doesn't truthfully. I hope that we can, um, you know, the, whatever pressure people are able to exert on Amazon in favor of a more independently owned, you know, book world is I think a good one. Those efforts should always be supported. Um, and we should be able to really go to the mat as an industry to protect that stuff. But I worry this is the year where a few people who feel a little bit less in like that conversation starts to shift a little bit to maybe Amazon isn't so bad. Look at all the stuff we can get out of it. Look at all this. As you were saying this, I had an Amazon package literally delivered. <laughs> like I can see out my front door and they, they drop some, I mean, well, it, they can it's see you too, vacuum so. bags, but yeah. you know, there you go. <laughs> and that's the thing. Now, <laughs> now books are vacuum bags, you know? It's... Yeah. Anyway. So we've reached the end of the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would like to thank you for coming uh, and, and sitting with us. Um, hopefully, well, we didn't do too many swears this time. So, you know, maybe at work. <laughs> Good for you. Steal that company time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> steal it. Just steal it right away from them. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, we appreciate you joining us for last year and for this year. It'll be a really good one mm-hmm. to come. Definitely look back on our Decembo thread online or at Decembo.org. Send us your queries, your first pages, your questions. We're at printrunpodcast at gmail.com and we will see you for a regular episode next week. Bye. Bye.